Jeremy for introducing this song to us. Has some beautiful words and a great message in it, so we appreciate that. I want to welcome all of you this morning to the Bowman Church of Christ worship service. We're proud you're here. We're, we're thankful for the opportunity we have to be here, and we just deeply appreciate each one who are with us this morning. And I know we got visitors here today. We we're proud you're with us. We want to welcome you in a special way, invite you to be with us any opportunity that you come to be with us. Let's have a prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the day you blessed us with. Father, we thank you for the opportunities that we have, the freedom that we enjoy, and we pray that that will always be with this nation. We pray our rulers can make sure and lead in a way that would be pleasing in your sight. We can always have the freedom to worship as we desire. And with that, Father, we pray especially for the the, the turmoil that's going on with Ukraine and Russia. Father, we pray that this, this can be solved in a way that you can be pleased and help the people that are involved with this and particularly the people who are suffering. Now, Father, we pray that we'll prepare our minds and our hearts to enter into the worship service. We pray for each one that has a part, especially for Ken today as he brings the message to us. We're so thankful, Father, for all the men that we have who will participate in the different positions that occur during the worship service. And fathers, we thank you for all the blessings you share with this congregation here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We enter into our worship. Our first song this morning will be 10,000 Reasons. If you would, please stand with me and sing out to the Lord this morning.
sing number 790, followed immediately by 726. Lord, take, take control. Father, we thank you for this Sunday that you have once again given us and allowed us to come together arm in arm and praise your name in song, lift up your name in spirit, and Father, we just continue to want to just to worship you this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the church here, thank you for our leadership and our servants, our ministers. We ask you to continue to bless them and their abilities and their and their, and, and their ability to lead and their ability to serve. Heavenly Father, we also have many of our number who are not able to join us this morning for reasons such as sickness and, and other things that have prevented them to come this morning. We also have some of our members who are, of those members who are joining us online and they're joining us in spirit this morning. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessings on those that are attending to them, to their needs, that whatever things they are doing would get them to a point that they could so earnestly come back and join us again. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessings on the work of the church here that we, we strive to do in this community and throughout the world. And Father, we, you know that our minds right now are with our brethren who are overseas, not only in Ukraine, but in the neighboring countries of Romania and Poland. Heavenly Father, we ask that the leaders that are uh, making the decisions would look to reason and look to peace and not their own ambitions. Father, we 
know that you tell us that we should stop our fighting and know that you are our God, that you are our refuge and you are our strength. And Heavenly Father, as we go through these uncertain times, bring to our mind that this is a good chance for us to remember ourselves and our knowledge that you are God and that any things that we that prevents us from being within your will that we would take this time that the world is going through right now as a moment to evaluate ourselves and make any changes that we need before our time is up heavenly father we trust that you will always preserve us whether on this earth or whether after this earth is over. And we are happy that you are our Savior and you have given us means by which we can be saved. And Father, that's through your Son, uh, Jesus, our, our Savior. And it is in his name that we offer this prayer. Amen. using your hymnal, you can mark number 744, God's Family. That'll be our song of invitation after Brother Ken's lesson. Uh, we'll sing two songs back to back, number 705 and 717, A Common Love and We Will Stand. Morning scripture reading come from the book of Revelations, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Revelations, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these, say, these things say he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And, if you have, and you have persevered and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. 
Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Good morning, everyone. Hey, no truer statement has been made than a statement that Chris made in his prayer, that these are uncertain times. Did you know that? It's uncertain on about every front, isn't it? And yet, despite the uncertainty in the world around us, whether it's the ongoing virus threats or now the political boistering that goes on or the serious nature of war that we're all very familiar with now and the impact that we perceive will make not just on humanity, but we know brothers and sisters exist in these regions that are under conflict. And we pray desperately. And for the missionaries who are stuck, we pray that they'll return to their homes. And somehow or other, we just hope and pray that things one of these days will just return to normal. Yes, But they won't. (laughs) They will not. There will always be something. But I will tell you that on Friday, there was some normalcy. And I mean in terms of the way things ought to be. On Friday, Lindsay Coffey obeyed the gospel. And right here in this very room, in that place right there where the water is still prepared and warm... She was baptized into Christ by Bo, who just read the Scriptures for us. She had been taught by her friend Autumn. They go to school together. Now, right there's the way it ought to be. You say, we're in uncertain times. We are. Point to me the date on the calendar. In any period of time in history when things were what we would call back to normal. But I'll tell you, in that moment, no matter what was happening around us or in the world, there was the witnessing of something that spiritually is what's supposed to be normal. And that is a soul giving itself over to the Lord, having sins washed away. And then the hope, not not that things will get better here, They might, they might not. But the hope of eternal life in heaven someday. I hope you have that because that was a special moment to witness and it's something great to hear about, but there's nothing more special than to the person who's experienced that themselves. So we rejoice with Lindsay and we rejoice with all of us who have obeyed the gospel, and we will rejoice even yet today if there's someone ready to respond to the Lord's invitation. Today, I I want us to talk about ourselves. At least, I see us in what's depicted in the text in terms of what I aspire for our church to be, and that is to be a loving family of God. 
There are several attributes that we could say identify the Lord's body. And whether, as in this text, there's a negative connotation, still out of that we can learn exactly what we should be. And I'm hoping as we examine some of these texts throughout the year that we'll realize, yeah, you know what? We may not be perfect, but we are truly aspiring to be what God wants us to be. Today, we're going to aspire to be a loving family of God. Before we start our study, let's pray together, please. Our Father, thank you for the blessing, privilege, and opportunity it is to assemble here today and study from your word. Pray, Father, that you'll help to inspire us as your people. We want to please you more than anything. We want to be your people, your family. We want to be identified as your family by the attributes that you find most pleasant, the things that make you happy. I'm sure that in everything we'll discuss, there are pockets within the congregation, individuals who exemplify the very qualities that you want. But Lord, we want that to be contagious. Help us all to be what you want us to be. And then as we are joined together corporately, help us as the church in this place to be a shining light. Help us to stand head and shoulders above everything else that's happening. Help us to be a place that people will come to, to know you. And as much as there truly is, as Chris said, there's uncertainty around us. I pray that with us, there'll be a great spiritual certainty. Thank you for the blessing that Jesus is to make that possible. Thank you for the church here and for the, the blessing it is, it is to each member to be a part of this body. And Lord, help us as much as we aspire to be and as much as you want us to be. Help us to be that true, loving family of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's something that's difficult to do. Tough. And that is to do self-examination. If I'm examining you, it might be easy. You know, I, I, I can see some stuff. And I'll say, well, you know, maybe I ought to check this or that. Pretty easy to see things happening in other people. It's very difficult to see it in ourselves. And yet the scriptures encourage us to do just that, to self-examine. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know that Jesus Christ is in you unless, unless, that is, you've become disqualified? Oh, wait a minute. There's, there's why we examine. That's why we test ourselves. It is possible, I gather, that a person could assume everything is just fine and in fact it not be. So once in a while, maybe it's more than that. Maybe we have the governors on all the time. You know what I mean? Maybe we're constantly watching our steps. But however that is practical for you, the idea is that there needs to be constant, regular examination and testing of ourselves. With the hope, I'm thinking that we're going to be going to be growing. At the very least, we would do what Peter says in Peter chapter, Second uh, Peter chapter three at verse eighteen, the very last verse 
of that book. He says to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. At the very least, we are going to be growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. This text that was written, one of seven, to a church, perhaps not unlike us, one aspiring to please God, one one seeking to be that loving family of God that we're going to talk about today. They had a lot of great things going. The Lord had recognized them. They were described as being one who was represented by the the lampstand that the Lord was walking in the midst of. I, I love that. In fellowship with God, represented, God knows you. I have no doubts that God knows us, the Boonville Church of Christ. But in that analysis, in the examination, there, there were some things that were found that probably no one had noticed before. Or at least they were not willing to acknowledge. This had become a wake-up call for that church in, in Ephesus. According to verse 4, the flagrant problem was that they had left their first love. Oh, wait a minute. A a church that is aspiring to be in this world a beacon of love. In fact, that's one of the things that identifies us with the Lord is our love for one another, or or better than that, of loving others just in the same way that Jesus has loved us. To realize that you've left the thing that you started off with that was to be the major point, that's got to be pretty upsetting. And so this text goes through to describe that very problem and then to encourage the remedy. Listen, my, my intention, my hope, is that when we do these examinations, we'll come away and we'll say, you know what, Ken, we're good on that. Now, we're a, we're a loving family of God. But it just, it behooves us to do the thing that we were encouraged to do. To stop once in a while, not take things for granted, just do the examination. So I want us us to look at some things that will be indicators of the love that's in us. A family of God is one that is going to manifest a love of involvement. I mean a love that is defined by its involvement. In other words, um, an active love. Now, there's lots of ways that the scripture describes our actions, and sometimes we just take that to heart. We want to be workers. We want to be doers. We're always looking for some kind of program of work to be involved in. We want a, a list where we can sign up. I want to know what my responsibilities are. I'll do them to the very best of my ability. But what I'm trying to stress here is that, yeah, I, I want to be involved, but I have love that is going to be the motivating factor in that involvement. Now, notice a a few passages kind of stress that idea. One is in terms of my motivation for obedience. You know, why do I obey the Lord? Do do I obey the Lord because I'm afraid that if I don't do what He says, He's going to strike me dead, something along those lines? That ought not be the primary motivation. 
ought not be thinking in terms of punishment as to whether or not I'm going to do what the Lord's expecting me to do. John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus said, if if you love me, keep my my commandments. You want to demonstrate your love for me? I say, Lord, I love you. I would do anything for you. Well, Jesus is pretty easy about that. You know what? I'm not going to lay out something special for you. I'm not going to have some kind of some kind of hidden exercise that in order for you to prove your love, I'm going to drop this on you. And then that will dim it. Not like that. Jesus is very simple. Look, if, if you're going to come at me with a declaration of love, then that's going to be exhibited in your life already. The life that you live of obedience is going to be a testament to the fact that, in fact, you do, you know, love me. Or 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Now there's another clue. If I'm walking around with a kind of mopey sort of disposition about me because of the burden and the weight of what I have to do as a Christian, then maybe I'm not being motivated by the right things. This text says, right here is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. Again, I'm expressing my desire to serve Him. Lord, I love You. What can I do for You? Well, you know what? Here it is. You know, here's how I want you to live. Lord, I do that. That is not a burden for me when my primary motivation is my love for You. I will do, in fact, I will do things that otherwise might be outside my comfort zone simply because I'm not motivated out of a sense of just duty to do it. I'm motivated out of a desire to demonstrate my love. I want to show you, Lord, that I love you. And here's how I'll do that. I'll I'll keep your commandments. That will not be a burden or a weight on me. I love it as I love you. Sometimes it's not just in the doing of it or the obedience so much as just a sense of service, of looking for opportunity. And that really gets to the heart of relationships, doesn't it? How I think about myself and my relationship with God and how that relationship bears on my relationship with other people. In 1 John chapter 4, beginning verse 7, the scripture says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God because God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. That's really just an expanded take on Jesus' declaration from John 13, 34 and 35, right? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I've loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. The relationship that we have with one another very much tells the story about the relationship that we have with the Father. If I really love the Father, I'm in tune with His desires, then I'm not not just going to serve Him, 
But in the capacity of serving him, almost always that results in my serving others. And I do so, again, not out of a sense of duty to God. Oh, I have to do this to demonstrate my love for God. No, wait a minute. The reason I would do that for others, same motivation. Not just duty, I do it because I love them. Just as God has loved me, I'm going to love the others. And what a beautiful relationship that creates. Not just between these various relationships, but it's just creating one big relationship of love, right? Whether directed to God or directed to others. And then with that mind, it's kind of like someone was saying this morning, you know, just experienced a one-year birthday with a grandchild, and it seems, seems impossible that that's been a year ago. Seems like just yesterday that little baby was born. And yet, as you get involved in their growth and their life, the days and the weeks and the months just click by without any notice. And before you know it, you wake up, they're one-year-old. And as some of you had said, yeah, there's the one-year-old, and then they become 10 years old, then they become 20, they become adults, they have their own children. Time continues to move on. We don't stop and analyze every moment that takes place. We just live in that moment. And the same is true with our Christianity. Just as Lindsay began her life right there, coming up out of that water, Some of us can remember that day as though it were only yesterday. But in reality, maybe it was 30 or 40 years ago. The commitment that we made on that day ought to be the same strong commitment that we have remaining in us today and is going to see us all the way to the end. In fact, it was was that sense of dedication, that sense of the love of involvement that Paul very much verbalizes in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 and following. He says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. That ought to be the category that we are all in. And all of us loving his appearing, living for that day that we can be united forever with the Lord. Whether that is 50 years from now, or we are drawing well nigh unto it as Paul was, our aspiration and motivation ought to be absolutely the same throughout. And that is a love of involvement. That is something that ought to define you and me. But also, a family of God, it also manifests a love of intention. I mean by that, that our love is intentional. It just doesn't sit back and just kind of go along or go with the flow. It has a sense of how to move forward. Let me describe that. Here in this text, okay, in verses 2 and 3, he says, look, I, I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. I know that, for instance, you bear, you can't bear those who are evil. 
I know that you have stood against those who are false apostles, apostles, and you found them to be liars. I know that you're the kind of people who persevere. Again, to state it with emphasis, he says, I know you're patient, you're, you're enduring in all of this. I know that you labor for my name's sake, and you never become weary in that. I want to stop for a minute and think about all those things that he said concerning the church in Ephesus. When I read those, I think, just taking nothing in, if that, that's all we had as evidence of who they are, if we were doing as we said from the start, if we were making an examination, probably those kinds of things would be on our list you know, are, are they the kind of people that just, you know, roll up their sleeves and get into the work? He said, absolutely. I know about your work and your labor. I, I know you just dig deep in all of that. Are they people who stand for the truth? There's no doubt about it. Those who are in the evil, he says, it just, they can't bear with that. It makes them sick. And when people came along who were false apostles, who were teaching a false gospel, they stood up to that. They found them to be liars. You know, they could handle the word of God in a beautiful way. They have patience. They have perseverance. They just never stop. Boy, that sounds like a great church full of energy and enthusiasm, forthright with the truth, we would say they are A number one. But, verse 4, he uses the word, at least in the English, nevertheless, I have this fault against you. You have left your first love. I just think that's pretty telling right there. Okay? Nevertheless, in the sense that what's coming next is in no wise less or to be minimized compared to what came first. Now, what came first? Oh, that long list. You know, all those things that we would say are great identifiers of the Lord's church. Man alive, if the church didn't have those things, what would they be? You know, they're not upholding the truth. Why, they need to be rebuked. They need to straighten up. Come on. But he says, no, they've got all that. But with all of that going for them and all those, all those terrific attributes, he says, the thing that's missing is the one thing that kind of reduces all those other things to nothing. They left, they left their first love. They, they left the primary thing. I, when I read that, I, I, I'm reminded of how Paul described it when he was describing love in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, though I speak with the tongues of men of angels, but have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Now watch that. Even though I could speak great, great testimonies of the Word of God, you know, we, we know those who could just stand before masses and just hold them in the palm of their hand. He says, if you have that, but you don't have love, you might as well just be someone out there with maybe a, a metal spoon just banging on a pot, just making a bunch of noise. 
We know uh, of prophecy, he says. And, and there were in that time those who could miraculously prophesy. In our time, we might speak of those who have a tremendous knowledge of the Word of God at the very least, so they could share the, the mind of God. But even the great handling of God's message, he said, if they can do that or they develop in others a faith that can move mountains, but they don't have love with it, he says that's nothing, that, that's worth nothing. Or a person who's willing to give the shirt off their back in giving to others in great benevolence or even to die for the cause, no matter what they can do from the least to the greatest, if it's not driven or motivated by love, he says it's worth nothing. It profits nothing. And so here's this great church in Ephesus. Come see, check us out. We've got a great Bible school program. We've got the great preaching in the brotherhood. But you have this one thing. And it is the one thing that makes all the difference in the world. When we're the church, we're, we're really aspiring to be that people who, you know, have the intentional kind of love. That means when, when, we, when we love... We're not going to be discouraged by something that comes along. You know, we're going to, not going to be set off. We say, well, we went in and we were going to love these people. We're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to encourage and build them up. We're going to win them for Jesus. But it didn't work out. Is that just going to stomp out our love? The answer should be no, regardless of the discouragements that come along. In James chapter 1, verse 2, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Okay, trials are going to come. Discouragements will be all around us. But do not become discouraged. You know, don't let that take your heart away. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 21, you know, really the, the summation of a beautiful chapter related to what righteousness is, of the rubber meeting the road. Here's exactly how you live. He says, don't be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. Why would he even have to say such a thing? Because there is a tendency to see the evil or to, to, have, to, to have to battle it so much that we become discouraged. He says, don't do that. Do not be overcome by that, but you be the overcomer. You win this battle. You continue to fight. You, you, still, be, you still be motivated by that eternal characteristic of love which is reflective of God himself. Galatians 6 and verse 9. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap, if, if we do not lose heart, that is. Let's, let's be sure we don't become, don't become discouraged with our love. Let's also be sure that we get rid of all the distractions that are around us. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 15, 16, and 17, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, love the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world's passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. I, 
Okay, going to abide forever if I'll do the will of God. So stick with that. Don't become distracted by what's going on in the world. Don't give over to sin. Don't be tempted and led astray. You are motivated by your love for others. Don't let your own lusts and desires get into the way of implementing that love for God. Become a conduit through which it flows, not an obstruction to it. And don't become disillusioned by what you see in the church. You may be that great example of the love of the Lord. You may be the one who is fighting every battle. You may be the one who will never give up. You are driven and motivated by the love that God extended to you, and now you just can't help but have that ooze out of you, and you look around and you're like, wait, why isn't everybody else doing that? Don't don't be disillusioned by others not taking up that same torch. It was happening there, the church in Ephesus. It certainly, certainly could happen with us. In fact, remember verse 4, that one thing. There were some at least and maybe a majority that had infected the church to the extent that they had left their first love. That that was so evident, at least in the majority. If you are in the minority, don't let that discourage you. You be certain that you you just keep right on going. And so, you know, we 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 go with enthusiasm. I, I think about, I don't know, that challenge that's given in Hebrews 10. You know, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more, as you see the day approaching. I mean, we're just, we are excited about the prospect of what is to come. And even if we look around, we just don't see many joining us. Let's become infectious. You know, let's just, let's, let's practically just grab them and force them to come along, Right? Maintain that love for others. But please, please don't have the mind that you can substitute just a sense of duty in regard to that for the genuine love that we're aspiring to. Love is going to naturally result in the doing of what's right. Don't get the cart before the horse. Don't just commit yourself to the duty without first being motivated by the love. I think about our coming together for worship. What, why are we here? Why are, why are we singing these songs? Why is the level of enthusiasm for our worship, wherever that level is, why is it where it is? If it's low, why is it down there? Or if it's very high, what, what has driven us to take it to those great heights? I mean, where are we in that? When I think of worship, I think of David's great desire to go and be in the presence of the Lord. And I want that to be mine. You know, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and now we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Well, where would you say that is? Is that way down here somewhere? 
No, that's like, that is praise and adoration going out through the roof. David says, I just all love the Lord and, and I just can't wait to just, just lift him up and praise his name. Isn't that us? It is us when what has driven us to this place is our love for the Lord and our love for one another. If that somehow has become disconnected or has grown weary over time, then our enthusiasm or lack of it will be reflected. We're going to be a loving family of God, so let's be sure that that love is demonstrated. It's intentional. And if, if you haven't gotten the idea already, it also should be in terms of a love of introspection. And when I talk about introspection, I'm just talking about we're looking on the inside, right? It's easy to look on the stuff on the outside. That's what most people had done. Probably members of the church of Ephesus could have said, hey, we work hard, we labor, blah, blah, blah. Just, you know, make a list of great attributes. That's outside indicators. What's going on on the inside? That's the examination part. So there must be some introspection taking place here. We, we have a love of that. Our love is constantly looking on the inside. Well, what's going on with me? And so here, you know, Jesus has identified the problem. And he has made the accusation. Yeah, you got some great things, but you've left your first love. So here's what you've got to do. Verse 5. You have got to remember from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. Or else, I will come to you quickly. And I'll remove the lampstand from its place unless you repent. You ever had somebody say, blah, 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 or else? <laughs> Usually that's kind of the end of the line, right? Or else. Well, that's where he is with this. Here's what you've got to do, he says. Remember. Remember from where you've fallen. Not just reminisce. This is serious. So what we're trying to do is think about how it used to be. Think about how it was when things were really going and then get back to that. Remember your first love. Now, again, I, I just because it's fresh, we think about Lindsay. As she obeyed, she obeyed the gospel. You know, there was happiness on the other side because she had learned the truth. But there was an exponential growth in that joy, not just for her, but for everybody who was in the room. And then I'm thinking today, as that was announced, that went even a step higher. I know it was true around the throne of God in great rejoicing, but there was the anticipation which is joyful. Here is somebody who is going to obey the gospel, but that no way compares to the moment that that child of God is born forth out of that water, has become a new creature. We all rejoice in that. And I'm telling you, everybody who witnesses that is also themselves transported to that moment when they did the same thing. 
Now, when you obeyed the gospel, when you came up out of that water, isn't it true that every spiritual possibility was within your grasp? I know it's technically true, Ephesians 1 verse 3, that you had every spiritual blessing, but I'm talking about your own mindset of the implementation of what is now yours into the life that you're carrying forth as you dry off from that water and you begin your walk with Jesus. The possibilities are endless. You start thinking about all the friends that you're going to share the gospel with. You think about your own family situation. You think about the commitment that you've made to a change of your own life. And then you think of the experiences that you've had with others. And immediately, there's just a list of people that you so much want to impact for Jesus. You remember. Now, sadly, oftentimes, we come out of that water, we have that enthusiasm for a while, and then it grows a little cold. And then just as we were describing the passing of years for a child and our experience with them, so is true for the Christian, year after year, program after program, Bible class after Bible class, endless sermons. And we stop and examine ourselves and there is not that anymore. You know, where's the fire and the enthusiasm that we had when we first obeyed the gospel? He says, remember that. Go back to that. Tap into that. Why couldn't we do the same? Can you envision right now in your own mind how you felt when you obeyed the gospel? The enthusiasm, the vigor that you had. You were going to change the world. You know that's God's idea, to change the world through invigorated people who have now become His. Motivated, motivated out of love, sure. He says, remember from where you have fallen. And when you remember that, repent. Now, repentance is a change of mind. So I've been thinking, I'm remembering, I'm thinking about it. Now I remember how it used to be compared to how it is now. I better change that because now is not right. I need to repent. I need to change and go back the other direction. I need to make right what's been made wrong. Somehow or other, my fire has been extinguished. I need that rekindled in me. And so I'm going to repent. I'm going to change. He says, do the first works. Well, what were the first works? He said, well, first thing you did was you left your first love. So go back. Question, is it too late? It is not too late. As long as the blood is pumping in our veins and the breath is filling our lungs, we still have the capacity, the wherewithal, the ability to make whatever change is necessary. You say, Ken, I'm still on as much fire as I've ever been on. Then hallelujah. You know, maybe, maybe the energy ha has gone to the roof. Terrific. That's what we all want to see. But if that has had water thrown on it, or somehow or other, our zeal and our, our determination, our love for others that motivated us to go outside our comfort zone, if that has wavered, then Lord, help us to remember how we once were and repent and do the first works. Now he says that if we'll do that, verse 7, if we will be overcomers, and to overcome means I'm going to, overcome this problem. 
yeah, I've been doing a lot of good stuff, but hadn't been motivated by love. I want to get that back in its right order. I want to be enthused about the work that is before me. I want to be driven. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to overcome this malady spiritually that has infected me. And now he says, I'm going to give you, as a result of overcoming, I'm going to give you to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise, the midst of the paradise of God. Don't you want that? I do. Man, can you, can you imagine having the right just to stroll around in heaven like you own the place? That's what he's offering us. Are you an overcomer or are you not? Are you going to stay in a dull, muddy down place? Or are you going to rise up with zeal and enthusiasm and love for others? If we're going to be the loving people of God, the family of God, then we're going to do just that. If we need to repent, let's repent. If you're not a child of God, do what Lindsay did. Obey the gospel. Be buried in water. Have your sins washed away. Rise up in newness of life on fire for the Lord. If you need to respond today for any reason, now's your opportunity. Why don't you come while we stand together and sing this song? We're part of the family as we again. Part of
song, beautiful words that, that come together. I ask that you sing out with it. Read the words as, as you prepare for, for taking the Lord's Supper. Thank you.
for the Lord's Supper, if you'll raise your hand, the ushers will help you out with that. Father, we're so thankful for the many wonderful blessings in life that you've bestowed upon each and every one of us. Father, we come to our time and our service that help our minds go back and visualize the pain and suffering that Jesus did for us on that cross. Father, as we partake of this bread that represents his body, help us to do this in a manner that will be pleasing unto thee. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. You bow with me. 
Likewise, Heavenly Father, as we partake of this cup, fruit of the vine that represents the blood that Jesus shed on that cross, that we may have forgiveness of our sins. Father, help our minds to go back and reflect on the pain and suffering that He did all this for us. Father, we ask that we may partake of this cup, this fruit, in a manner that will be pleasing unto Thee. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Now, separate and apart, we have an opportunity to give back. There's uh, several ways that are listed on the screen that you may have an opportunity to do that. If you will, bow with me now. Heavenly Father, we come before you so thankful for the opportunity we have to earn our income and our jobs that we have. Father, help us be mindful and follow your teaching that it asks and command us to give back a portion that we may prosper, that your church may prosper, and your word spread even more across this great nation. Fathers, we have this opportunity to give back a portion that we've earned. Help us to do this in a cheerful and obedient manner. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Good morning. If, uh, again, I'll extend our welcome to each of you, and if you are visiting with us this morning, uh, indeed, you are an honored guest, and it is our desire to welcome you. Our goal is to do Bible things in Bible ways and call Bible things by Bible names, and if we have done anything today, you've seen something as a visitor that you have a question about, please give us the opportunity to talk to you and give us a chance to meet you uh, before you head out today, I have several announcements, and the very first thing is that if ever an announcement, especially if I'm the one up here, gets messed up or doesn't get uh, announced uh, like it should, please let us know, and we'll take care of that as quickly as possible. In fact, I, I know there's one announcement that won't get made because uh, Sister Jimmy texts me announcements, um, and I sat down this morning and wrote one of them down and was going to write the other one down just a few minutes ago, and my phone is not with me. So I know there's one that won't get announced, and if you text me messages uh, to announce since we got here, it, sorry, uh, you'll have to, uh, I'll get that done later, I promise. I have uh, three cards that I want to read to begin with this morning. Dear church family, thank you for all the prayers, calls, cards, and visitation to our mother's funeral. A special thank you to Brother Dwight Farr from the Iuka congregation. She would have been honored to know uh, of all her brothers and sisters in Christ uh, who were with her at the end. Your sisters in Christ, Shirley Taylor, Betty Bishop, and families of Emma Rast. We want to thank, uh, thank you for the calls, visits, cards, and for the food you brought uh, while I was unable to do anything. We're so thankful for all your prayers and concerns. Please keep us in your prayers. I still have a long way to go. Uh, we love you all. Luther and Joan Mormon. We would like to thank our wonderful church family for the generous love and support you all have shown to us after we lost our home to a fire. Even in what has been one of the most difficult times in both of our lives, we have felt abundantly blessed because of you. 
Love, Jaina and Cameron Beard. Then I have a note I need to read. Dear church family, thank you for all of the prayers, visits, calls, meals, and encouragement that you have given me and my family the last months. You don't know how much this means to us. Please continue to pray for my healing as I have had another wound come uh, upon my foot. Uh, Thank you again for all that you've done for me. I love all of you, Brian Rowland. It speaks volumes that we take time at the end of the service to read all these thank you cards because you realize if things weren't being done, then there wouldn't be cards to read. And that's a blessing. Please remember, uh, obviously I'm not going to read an entire page of those who need to be remembered in prayer. But I pray that you'll take this bulletin and you'll take it home and you'll actually pray for these people by name. One of the things that impresses me when I go to an elders meeting is they pray for people by name. And I think that's something that we ought to all do. Stella Pittman, who is on that list, um, got this uh, update, was admitted to the Meadows in Fulton and she'll be there for several weeks for therapy. And an additional note this morning added to that that she's doing well and may have visitors if you have the opportunity to do that. Now here's a, a, an announcement I'm going to need some help on. Uh, probably it's the, uh, the one that I, uh, is on my phone. The visitation for the Scott service has been changed to 12 with the service at 1 at the Boonville Funeral Home. And if there's anything that needs to be added to that, please let me know. Uh, Kinsley Peck, that's Daniel and Hannah's uh, daughter, that's also in the bulletin. She has that eye procedure that is coming up uh, in Labonner, at Labonner on Wednesday. And that is a serious procedure, and they ask for our prayers on her behalf. Uh, Please continue to pray for our Lads to Leaders program. Uh, First, pray for the group that has gone to CYC. We had 228 in worship together, and many of, uh, of our number are on their way home, worshiping this morning, and then on our their way home from CYC, please pray for them and their safe travels. And in regard to Lads to Leaders, this may be a, uh, I don't know if this is accurate. Is the fourth grade puppet team going to meet today? They are going to meet today. Okay, the fourth grade puppet team meets in the TAC following the morning worship. Lunch will be provided. Bible Bowl at 415. The uh, gifts at 545 on Wednesday. Don't forget that. Um, Lads Leaders Convention deposit is now due, and please see Miss Jimmy about that or, or let us know if you have questions about that. Lads Leaders is unfolding, and it's the convention's coming up soon. Keep that in your prayers. If you were on the speech list for boys and you did not see me, uh, I need to see you ASAP or sooner because we need to uh, get some things underway. The Golden Circle breakfast is tomorrow morning at the pit stop in Corinth. The bus will leave from the annex at 8.30. Salt Team 2 will meet together in the annex for a soup and chili supper next Sunday night following evening classes. The uh, weekly food pantry is cornmeal, and the food pantry and closed closet will be open on March the 10th and March the 17th. And again... We rejoice and, and reannounce about Lindsay Coffee becoming a child of God, and I uh, hope that you will seek out her address, seek her out first, and encourage her and welcome her. Uh, I'm sure that there are other now- announcements that I have failed to, to mention. 
Uh, please get those to us and we'll rectify that as quickly as possible. Let's all stand and I will dismiss us in prayer. Let's pray together. Our most holy and righteous Heavenly Father, creator of all things, giver of all things, Father, thank you so very much for how good you are to us. And we know that you are in control regardless of what seems to crumble around us. For we know, Father, that because of sin and because of the limited nature of human life that all things will crumble. And we are striving to stand upon that rock that will never crumble and one day be able to stand before you in that place that is eternal. Be with all of those who have been mentioned today. Thank you for blessing those who have thanked us. Thank you for being with those who are hurting and those who are grieving and those who are facing uh, illness and that, that recovery process and procedures and so many things, Father, that we could continue to say, but you know, Father, I pray that you'll be with each of us as we leave this place, as we're involved in the things that express our love for you. May it be to your honor and glory and in your service until that day we stand before your son in judgment. In his name we pray. Amen.